Welcome to the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. And we have another show for you. We are back. Week two, Sky. Got a lot of great feedback about the first edition of Do Politics Better. A lot of folks stopped this in the hall, heard a lot, um, you know, legislative assistants, legislators, other lobbyists. You know, it was, it was kind of fun. It was fun, and people had some good feedback and some suggestions. So we're keeping a running of list of things that folks want to hear about. It's a work in progress, so keep the suggestions coming. Uh, we'll give you an email. Um, send us an email. We'll put that in in the notes when we when we put it up on the in the podcast world. Which, by the way, I'm I'm kind of so surprised that we're on all these different platforms: uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher. So you know, almost wherever you get podcasts, you can listen to us. Yeah, it's crazy they let anyone on the internet these they, days. They must. They yes. must. Yeah. Well, we do have a lot to talk about this week, so let's get into it. First up, I show up Tuesday morning, 8.30. You know, you and I have been going to budget meetings at 8.30 to hear the briefings from the economist and from fiscal staff. And I go into justice and public safety. We have a couple clients that, uh, you know, they get their their appropriations out of, out of that pot of money. Scott, it was unlike any budget meeting I'd ever been to. It was not a budget meeting. It was the second time that legislators were talking to the state prison officials about that NAACP v. Cooper settlement. Yes, and it was on. So the governor sends his folks from the Department of Corrections, and the JPS committee is just grilling them about the 3,500 prisoners, mm-hmm. the inmates that are being being released. And it really came down to, where did you get the authority to do this? Why are you doing it? And in one exchange between Jamie Bowles, Representative Jamie Bowles, Chairman Jamie Bowles of the committee, he he really kept pressing them if 70% of the inmates are... I think you need to back up and explain what this lawsuit was about. So it was about COVID. And it was about prisoners being confined in corrections. They're uh, increasing their risk of COVID exposure and the rapid spread of COVID in the prison system. That's right. So at the height of COVID, we learned in this exchange that uh, about 17%, I think they said, was the peak of the infection rate within the prison system. It is now at 1%. And the reason I wanted to bring it up today is because... In addition to the General Assembly and their role in writing a $25 billion budget, they also have an oversight role that they play. And I saw that play out in very dramatic terms Tuesday morning. Are you seeing this in other, uh, not oversight, but budget hearings in the 830? Because you're following different appropriation subcommittees. Yeah, I'm in general government and they're really just going through, fiscal staff is going through um, the different departments and what they do. So I'm not really seeing it Um, in that committee, but this was just a hot topic and I think something that we're going to hear more about. We are going to hear more about it. I I talked to uh, Chairman uh, Danny Britt after the meeting. He was 
visibly upset. I talked to uh, staff of uh, First Speaker Tim Moore, heard there was going to be a recommendation that this issue go to government oversight. So, uh, you know, other issues that, that we saw this week, I mean, I think it's probably the big issue. We saw a press conference about it yeah. yesterday. Yeah, so the school reopening negotiation between House, Senate um, leadership, and the governor. Yesterday morning, they had, Wednesday morning, they had a press conference with the minority leaders and then Speaker Tim Moore, um, Senator Berger, and Cooper, and everything seemed great. They came to a settlement on the school reopening bill. And that bill was pushed through the chambers and passed within 24 hours of that press conference yesterday. Yeah, and Senator Deanna Ballard, who has really been the the driving force behind this. So a compromise was reached, and this leads to a question we got. One of the legislative assistants on the House side said he wanted us to talk about the PCS. So... In, in this compromise, so compromise is done, now it's time to legislate the compromise. And the, the newspaper, the insider, which we get every, every morning, great, great uh, source of information, said that the way they were going to handle this compromise is they were going to do a gut and replace. So they're going to take a Senate bill, they're going to put in this compromise uh, legislation, send it over to the House, send it to the governor gut and replace. It's also a nice way of saying PCS or proposed committee substitute. Can you talk about what a proposed committee substitute is? Sure. So when you file a bill, um, that is your first edition of the bill. Um, It's filed in whichever chamber and the bill gets referred to committees. So once it's read into the floor of either the House or the Senate, that is when it's referred to committees. And let's say your bill is referred to Judiciary Committee. Before you get to committee, um, let's say you have folks that come to you and say, we need to amend this a little bit or make a couple changes. Let's say you have a few changes. Um, Once you get into committee, it's easier just to do a PCS instead of running three or four amendments. And that would be your traditional way of um, proposing a PCS in committee. And and amendments happen all the time. Oh, we're gonna run amendment. But oftentimes you see a PCS, proposed committee substitute, and it's run several reasons. One may be, it's just huge. Like this compromise, it's a rewriting of the bill. So let's just do a PCS, right? Mm -hmm. You don't wanna stand up and amend something and say, here's our amendment, it's 30 pages long. PCS. Sometimes you might do it because you really don't want to amend the bill uh, publicly because what you're amending, you know, might be controversial. Right. So we see this a lot towards the end of session or um, during crossover week, the week that a bill has to pass either the House or the Senate um, to be viable for the session. You see it a lot in those committees where you show up to a committee, you get a committee notice that says there will be a hearing on this bill about school playground equipment. And you walk into committee and they say there's a PCS for Senate Bill 100. 
um, and that's the school playground bill, but it's actually a bill about something completely different. There's all new language in there, and it really just doesn't tip off the public as to what it is um, prior to that committee meeting. So I have an interesting story about this guy. I've been down at the General Assembly since the early 2000s. And I was working for a child advocacy organization. I was their lobbyist called the Covenant with North Carolina's Children. We were running a bill, a sex ed bill uh, for public schools. And the bill was running in Senate education. Senator Jeannie Lucas, who is now deceased, uh, was the bill sponsor. And she uh, was presenting the bill and she had a PCS. It was the first time and only time I've ever seen this happen. Usually when you put a PCS out there, it's kind of a perfunctory kind of, yeah, we'll see the PCS now. Virginia Fox, Senator Virginia Fox, now Congresswoman Fox, made a motion to lay the PCS on the table and not to hear the PCS. And she had the votes and they killed the PCS right there in the committee. Uh, Chairman Stephen Metcalf, who's now a lobbyist, chided the committee for doing it he thought it was disrespectful but uh senator fox who was an incredible legislator tactically was able to uh kill a pcs and i had never seen that happen before that sounds very fun it was it was on senator metcalf did bring the bill back uh for a future committee meeting just it was a matter of getting enough democrats there to do so but it was an interesting thing to observe bringing it back reminds me that That's a reminder of knowing that once a bill is dead somewhere, it can be revived. You don't know how it's going to come back. And I think that goes back to the school reopening bill. We all saw that fail on the floor, on the Senate floor. And the next day at the General Assembly, we just heard a bunch of people saying to Senator Ballard, hey, you had a good speech last night, good try. And she was like, it's not over. And um, that's how you knew something else was coming from it. It's never over. We call those zombie bills. At least that's what I got. Zombie bills. They just, they, they may be dead, but they start walking around. And, and before you know it, they're on the governor's desk. We're, we are recording this on Thursday afternoon. The House and Senate just adjourned uh, for the weekend. And a bill we've been watching, I keep hitting refresh on the NCLEG uh, website, is the COVID bill that passed last week. And when I say passed last week, flew through the House and Senate, but it's still sitting on Governor Cooper's desk. We have a provision in there. You talked about it last week. It was PPP loans for for the travel and tourism industry. Uh, We represent the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. That bill passed unanimously through both chambers. There wasn't a lot of debate. Everyone was like, North Carolinians need this. Let's get it through. So it kind of felt like, duh, the governor will sign it very quickly. Um, and here we are look, a week after that, and he hasn't signed it yet. So there was a News and Observer report that came out this uh, week weekend about a provision in the bill that he seems to have some objections to around a rental assistance program. And I think it's a way it's structured. Uh, Senator Ralph Heiss was the sponsor of the provision. I don't understand the ins and outs of that provision. All I do know is that the governor in that News and Observer article did not commit to signing the bill. 
And interesting, as you pointed out, a unanimous vote, an expedited vote, lots of good provisions in the bill. Is he going to sign it? Is he not going to sign it? Which leads us to... um, Maybe he just lets it become law. He lets it become law. So he has three options. Those three options are... He can either sign the bill, easily explained, veto the bill, also easily explained, or he has 10 days to allow the bill to become law without his signature. I have uh, asked a few Democrats what they think the governor is going to do. Uh, Pretty much across the board, they think he is going to let it become law. Whether he signs it or not is the debate. Yeah, I think with a unanimous vote in both chambers and just the political um, backlash from not signing a COVID bill, he has no other option. No other option. And, uh, and, And we'll just point out that we have a lot of destination marketing organizations that are depending on this bill to pass so they can qualify for PPP funding. Speaking of COVID... Christy Jones, our colleague, she got vaccinated a couple weeks ago. She got shot one. I think she's getting shot two next week. You took the first shot. When was this? On Monday? On Monday morning. So what was fun about this is is, uh, you posted on Twitter that uh, you felt that the the selfies and the stickers that people are getting, it's the way of, of the... I voted sticker from elections. Yeah, I mentioned to you the other day, I was like, is taking a picture of yourself getting vaccinated the new I voted sticker? And just because you see it all over social media right now, you're letting people know that you've been vaccinated. And um, I got my vaccination through Wake County and Wake County gave out a little sticker that looked like a Band-Aid that said you were vaccinated. And um, so I tweeted it and it ended up making a BuzzFeed list of COVID stickers. You were actually number one on the BuzzFeed list. They listed 41 different yeah. tweets and you were number This is one. the first time in my life I've been number one at anything. That's not true. Completely not true. Uh, so by the way, I get my vaccine uh, Friday at 1140. I am getting the Johnson. Specific. Yeah. I'm getting the Johnson and Johnson one and done. Yeah. Lucky you. Lucky me. So I am hoping, you know, I know that not everyone has been vaccinated, Sky. I, I think most legislators from, from who I've talked to, you know, they have qualified and, and I know some are opting not to get it and, and, and that's their choice. But do you think that we are anywhere getting closer to normal at the General Assembly. Uh, and when I say normal, just to, to, for those of you not in the building, committees are, are sparsely attended. Now there's people who want to get in, but what, 10 chairs in the Rules Committee? Yeah, I think things are going to get back to normal soon. You know, our cases have been dropping on a day-to-day basis. Um, that's been reported, and the governor has eased some restrictions, like um, the curfew is now gone. Things like that are getting us, inching us back to normal life. And I think that once folks are vaccinated here in the next couple of months, it feels like we've been moving through vaccinations quickly once they got underway. I think that we will get back into a more normal way of life generally and at the General Assembly. It is tough to get into a committee right now with only, you know, like you said, nine or 10 chairs in committee rooms. 
Yeah, so we, you know, back in uh, before COVID, we could show up at a committee uh, five minutes late, get a chair, unless it was a hot bill. Uh, now, for just the most routine committees, because there's only 10 chairs or two to a bench, like this morning when we were in committee, you have to get there 20, 30 minutes early. We've seen colleagues, you know, they're just waiting outside to get in, and, and we try to save our seat. Uh, the sergeant-at-arms are great. You know, speaking of getting into the building, because there's not a lot of lobbyists, it, it's, you know, it's not as tough getting in the building. There, there was a line to this week getting mm -hmm. into the LOB. That was kind of odd. Can we just talk a minute about how great security is at the General Assembly and explain to, uh, to those who, who may not have been at the General Assembly in the last two bienniums, you know, the security changes that we've seen? Yeah, so I think we were one of the last states in the nation to add security to their legislative buildings. And when it happened, um, I think there was a lot of pushback from lobbyists, from the general public, maybe also the press. Um, there was some pushback because it slows down your process of going into the buildings. Um, we're there all the time. We lobbyists, uh, the professional lobbyist association has for the last three or four years asked for lobbyists to be able to have a fast pass to get in and out of the building, kind of like your TSA pre-check. And so that's something, you know, we also have complained about to folks, but the upside of that is that we have these amazing folks that work security. I love them. And they are some of my favorite people to see in the building. And it just makes it a good time. I think now if those security machines went away, I would miss my daily interactions with those folks. I, I would too, you know, so we are members of the North Carolina Professional Lobbyists Association and they're great. It's a great advocacy group for us. Yes, lobbyists have lobbyists. So we walk back and forth from the legislative building, which is the main building you see in photographs to the legislative office building, which is a kind of a drab hospital looking building where most of the offices and most of the committee meetings are held. You're walking back and forth. You may go into the, those buildings, respectively, five or six times a day, and you go through security every time. But going through, they seem to always have something kind to say. They ask about your day. They're glad to see you. Uh, they know little nuances about you. Uh, I like to skateboard to the General Assembly, so I mm -hmm. bring my skateboard. Where's your skateboard today, Brian? Oh, he's got it. You know, and it's just so fun to talk to normal people in the General Assembly. And you're not talking politics. You just They're just asking about you. It is nice. Um, there was a new security guard that I guess he's been there for a couple of weeks who stopped me, um, I think, Tuesday and said, Hey, I have a quick question for you. What is your actual first name? Because everyone around here calls you Sky. And I had something similar when I was in high school. We used to call my friend Tree because he was so tall. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually my name. <laughs> you, you know, we were working with Reverend Creech this week, too. Uh, we work with Reverend Creech of the Christian Action League, wonderful guy. We work with him on a number of issues, and, and he's met you several times. And uh, he asked you your name. Seems like a lot of people have trouble with your name. And it, it's an unusual name, I think, because there's not very many people named Scott. But are you constantly telling people your name? 
No, not usually. Okay. <laughs> I... I think that maybe it just doesn't seem like it would be my name. I get a lot that people think my name is Skyler, but my last name is David. So in the mail, I often get things to David Sky, or when people respond to my emails, they'll they'll just title it Dear David, and that's one of my pet peeves for sure. So security is great. They're non-political. They always have something good to say. Even if you're taking a loss somewhere, they've got something kind. Twitter isn't always very kind in the political world, Sky. No, no, it is not. And we mentioned my vaccination um, sticker and tweet, and I will say that I got some folks commenting on um, that tweet with some not kind things, and it reminded us of your tweet a few weeks ago. Um, Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I am a big podcast listener. I have two favorites that I listen to. One is tying it together with Tim Boyum. Just love what he and Ben McNeely are doing over there. They do great podcasts. And you're not just saying that because you're a star on Capitol tonight. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, I do listen. I love it. And it's a great podcast. The other one is, is Jeff Tiberi's podcast on WUNC. Uh, and I listen to that twice a week. comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays. He did a great Tuesday interview. His Tuesday interviews are my favorite because he really digs deep on on some of the political leaders in North Carolina. And he profiled uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. And I'll say it here. I'll say it now. I am intrigued by Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Uh, you know, I do recognize that there, there, there are some things that he has said and posted that, that make me cringe. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on both sides of the aisle. But I do find him intriguing. I mean, this is a guy who is not uh, the most uh, politically correct. He's not very uh, political politician sounding at all, actually. What he says is, is as he says it, that's how he feels about it. He's not going to apologize for his personal views. Yet he still got elected. And this guy really came out of nowhere to get elected lieutenant governor. Even though what he says sometimes might make you cringe, you you may disagree with it, you may agree with it, Um, he is probably, arguably, one of the best communicators, I think, in North Carolina politics right now. And so you take those three, and I posted on Twitter that I was intrigued. And Sky, they came after me on Twitter for saying I was intrigued by this man. And I got just a whole number of of just hateful messages. In fact, I took the post down. Yeah. Yeah. But then I put it back up, and that that, that was kind of weak, too. But I put it back up, and I was like, I will not be bullied off Twitter. Yeah, he was like, I will not be bullied right after I was bullied off Twitter, but I won't be now. This time, second time is a charm. (laughs) So (laughs) Look at me, everyone. Look at me, everybody. Uh, So I, I reposted it. But you screenshot uh, one of the mean tweets that I got. So uh, when we get mean tweets, with all apologies to uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, who does this segment on his late night show, we thought that we would read uh, a mean tweet that was directed at me. Yes. 
I love this one and I have it screenshot so that I can have it forever. This person tweeted back at Brian or quote tweeted Brian's tweet saying that Mark Robinson was intriguing, saying homophobia, anti-Semitism and QAnon conspiracies are intriguing. And then this is where it gets good. I'm struck by the stench of raw sewage emanating from Brian Lewis's overpriced suit before you can hear his little whiny voice. (laughs) I love it. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, The big one. I don't think I've ever heard anyone tell Brian that his suits look overpriced. Yeah. I mean, we're talking off the rack suits that uh, my colleague here would say don't fit well. Yeah, that's more of a you problem than the suit problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes suits don't. You get a 15-pound window with suits sometimes, and if you go past that 15-pound window, they start to not look so good. I I think uh, the security guards would take offense to this because they seem to only have uplifting things to say. Yeah, that is true. They are kind always, and... They really do just add something to your day. Uh, so if you have a mean tweet out there, you know, and you want to send it to me, I am at New Frame Inc. Please direct it to me. If you have... A, a, We're talking to you, Stephen B. Wiley. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or a certain university professor who seems to have a lot of time on his hands who also mean tweets at me a lot. Something that we wanted to do every week, uh, because this is the Do Politics Better podcast... We wanted to highlight something that we felt uh, legislators or someone in the political world was doing politics the right way. And, 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 and do politics better does mean something to us. It means something to me. You know, it is, it is trying to build consensus, work towards a goal, leaving personal politics out of it, leaving partisanship out of it if we can, but trying to do what is right by North Carolina. And as we were talking about this segment, we kind of wanted to go back to our earlier story of of who we would nominate this week as doing politics better. First, I just want to highlight that that little speech about what doing politics better was truly moving. (laughs) But yes, I think that the do politics better of the week just has to be the school reopening negotiation between the governor and the General Assembly. I think there's no other option. That was a pretty big moment. And they have been fighting over that for the last few weeks. And they'll probably go back to fighting over different things next week. There was a controversial bill that passed the Senate this week. You know, that's certainly something that they'll argue about. But this was a rare moment. I think um, Senator Berger and Governor Cooper did like a fist bump. You know, that was a touching moment and nice to see them working together. You know, and I think most North Carolinians, most people in general, uh, want to see their political leaders work together in a time where it seems to be compromise or Uh, giving in is seen as a negative. Uh, I think, you know, most North Carolinians, when when they go to work, uh, when they uh, talk to their families and friends, 
they, they don't want to draw sharp lines in the sand and say you can't go past this. And the governor, I felt like he made a step forward. And I feel like governor, uh, uh, Senator Berger and Speaker Moore also did. And, 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 and we really want to highlight this every week because if we think it's important, we think we should celebrate it. And it's not to say we don't have our differences. We certainly do. And those differences need to be debated. But when we can find common ground, uh, we, should, we should stake that out and put it in a bill, PCS it, and get it passed. Again, beautiful. So this week, speaking of kind of some contrast, I think the week ahead, uh, we're going to get back to some old-fashioned political fighting. Hopefully they find some common ground. But uh, what, what do you think we're going to see on the, <laughs> the week ahead of us? Well, this week really picked up the pace at the General Assembly, and I think we're going to look for that next week as well. Somebody mentioned to us, another lobbyist mentioned to us, that it felt like the end of session. Just the tempo of session right now is fast, slow, fast, slow. And we have heard from folks that we're just going to keep moving on social issues, so we expect to hear more of those. We saw another immigration bill slotted for next week. Um, two other, imi- two yeah. immigration bills, actually. Uh, we, we saw those move this week. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have debates, those bills crossing over. One's in the House, one's in the Senate. They're going to cross over. We're going to go back to those chambers and, and, and likely have those debates there. Yeah. Uh, we're also seeing uh, some gun bills moving. A lot of gun bills. There's a, there's an EMS bill. There's a church bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, battle lines. A lot of thrown. debate on the floor about that i think yesterday they did a pretty long floor debate on um a gun bill that lasted for an hour or two yeah and and it's going to be interesting uh, especially for the governor you know if you look back at past sessions he's vetoed some of these gun bills what's interesting is we are seeing some democrats vote for some of these bills and that's going to be interesting to see you know is a veto coming and if it does if it does can the governor keep those democrats we talked a little bit about that last week in the podcast yes that will be intriguing to see (laughs) why are we seeing policy bills now what you're seeing a lot of policy move basically it kind of goes back to the beginning of the show today we're talking about those budget hearings at 8 30 every morning we don't know what the budget is so while we wait for the budget to get ready it gives them time to uh, work on policy bills Yeah, that's right. And um, I think agency bills were due last week. So you saw a lot of agency bills filed. And that's just from the different agencies, whether it's Department of Transportation or Department of Administration, whatever um, the governmental agency is. And if they had any requests for the legislature, those had to be filed last week. So we're seeing some of those move as well. And the Senate had a deadline yesterday, right? You had to get into drafting for any other policy bills that you wanted. Right. So what does that mean you have to go to, what is bill drafting, by the way? So if you have an idea for a bill and you want it written into law, um, you send that idea to the folks, that nonpartisan staff that work in bill drafting, and it is their job to draft up your idea into statutory form. And going to bill drafting just means that you make that initial contact with someone in bill drafting about the content of your bill. So if you're out there and you have an idea for your senator, um, that bill needed to be in yesterday to build drafting. We will start to see more budget bills move 
they really are waiting right now for April 15th. And, and after that, we will see a mad dash from April going to Memorial Day. That's probably when we'll see a first budget. But until then, we've got a lot of fun policy issues that, uh, that want to be debated at the General Assembly. And we'll likely uh, see a lot of bills going to the governor a lot of things that he'll sign, a lot of things he'll let become law, but we're likely to see a few vetoes up until budget time. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. It's fun being with you. You're going out of town this weekend, right? Yeah. All right. You have fun. Uh, We'll be ready for uh, a good week ahead of us at the General Assembly. Feel free to reach out to us with ideas. We are keeping a list of things to talk about. And if you have any suggestions for someone you want to hear from, a legislator or um, a staff member maybe, let us know who that is too. Yeah, let us know. And remember to follow us uh, wherever you get your podcast. We're still working on getting as many platforms as we can. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Hey, we want to give a shout out to John Wood, teacher in Durham, who really helped us put this soundboard together. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate your help. And uh, you have a great week. And remember to do politics better. Can't get this anymore fitted to my head.